and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, this is it. This is our top eight of our Championship League table predictions. It's the pick of the bunch in the Championship this season. You are listening to the number one Championship-specific podcast, the Second Tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. And we are very, very excited to reveal who we think are going to be the top eight teams in the Championship this season. We've released 24th to 9th already. They came out on Sunday and Tuesday, so well worth going back to listening to them if you haven't listened to them already. Just a reminder that the way that we did this was I made a league table, Justin picked a league table, and then we put them together and worked out an average for each team. Although it's got to be said, the top eight, we didn't disagree too much, did we? Um, Justin, Let's go to eighth. Who have we got to finish eighth this season? We've gone with Nottingham Forest and they're in an interesting position this season, I think. I think we'll say it's going to be a season of just getting their shit together. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, they've got a good op- uh, good chance of finishing the playoffs, but they're probably one of the outsiders, I would say. But they've got some really good players coming back. You've got Brennan Johnson, who is in a great position to kick on this season uh, at Forest because his numbers at Lincoln City on loan last season were incredible. They're just missing a couple of couple of little things to, to to push them into that top six bracket. But as with Chris Hewton, he's a t- he's a, he's a man that progresses teams quite nicely, and I think this is another season of progression for Forest under under Hewton. Yeah, Chris Hewton's record when in charge of a team for a full season is sublime. I think they finished second, third and third in the three seasons yeah. that he's managed for a full campaign. It's quite remarkable. It'll be it'll be the biggest achievement yet if he manages to do it with this Nottingham Forest side because it is a very talented side. I just think it's perhaps a bit light in places. Mm-hmm. In midfield, bodies are needed. They've got Ryan Yates, Jack Colback, um, amongst others. But I feel like they need a bit more in there. Um a bit more creativity going forwards as well would not go amiss yeah. in the middle of the park. Fullbacks are interesting position. At the moment, it looks like Carl Jenkinson and Gaten Bong are going to be the fullback choices this season, who I, I wouldn't be backing as playoff kind of fullbacks, mm. really, but that's the situation that Forrest found themselves in. And then striker is very interesting because... It looks like a position that needs to be strengthened, but we are talking about Lewis Graben, who has been one of the most reliable goal scorers in championship history, really. And then Lau Taylor as well, who was one of the hottest properties in the championship this time last year. So a bit surprising that there is the case. They have been linked with Jordan Hugel, so whether that Mm -hmm. comes over or not, we'll have to wait and see. But there is a lot more to be excited about with Forrest. As you say, Brennan Johnson... A lad who is coming off the back of a fantastic season with Lincoln, being linked with a move to Premier League side. So if he hangs around, he could light the championship up in flames on the left-hand side this season or right-hand side. He can play on either wing or even down the middle. And then the other person who's going to be on the other wing is Alex Mighton, who is another of Ryan's players to keep an eye out for this season. He's come off the back of a very promising first season with Nottingham Forest. And this season, I expect him to kick on. Him and Johnson on either wing 
could be a match made in heaven and whoever the striker is up front could be licking their lips at these two providing chances for them and scoring goals as well because they're two very tricky wingers bags of pace as well so yeah Alex Mighton another one of my players to keep an eye out for this season and then finally the centre-back pairing Joe Bowell Scott McKenna Two very solid centre-backs. Joe Rowell in particular has been linked with a move to the Premier League. Wouldn't surprise me if he's there in the near future because he is a fantastic centre-back, Justin. He's someone you're a massive fan, isn't he? Yeah, reluctantly. I'm wearing a Derby shirt currently. Yeah, he's uh, he's, a, he's a great player. He's, he's Not only is he Nottingham born and bred as well, that helps, but he's a, he's a passionate leader for, for Nottingham Forest. Um He's a very good organiser, a very good defender, firstly, and he's got the ability to play from the back. And when he's out of the side, Forrest really do miss him. You mentioned Scott McKenna there as well. Brings a lot of balance to that to that back four, being a left-footed centre-half, very rare these days. Um, if he avoids injury, keeps fit for the rest uh, for, for the season, essentially, then Forrest, Forrest will be fine defensively, especially under Chris Hewton. But as you mentioned, there's just a bit of... A bit of gaps that need plugging. Um, recruitment needs to be done, but what is happening now is I think Forrest are being quite careful, which they haven't been over the last four or, four or five seasons, really. They're being prudent. They're being sensible, which which is why I said at the start, it's a season of just getting their shit together, which will lead to good things. Well, it, will, it will absolutely lead to good things. Well, the past four or five transfer windows prior to this, they signed something like 50 players in that time. This season, they have been very sensible a bit too sensible you might say because the only real signing they've made is Horvath in a in goal but he looks like he's going to be just back up to pre-samba this season so you'd hope that they bring in a couple more players before the season starts Loic Mbiso is another one who can play at centre-back he has been playing at right-back in pre-season so he may be the answer to the right-back conundrum which I was talking about just a second ago it's just gaps that need plugging and if that happens then I don't think you can rule out Nottingham Forest and they're one of those sides who will benefit from having fans back in the city ground as well. I can assure you of that. Who have we got in seventh, Justin? We've gone with the mighty Potters, Stoke City. And there's a lot to be excited about with with Stoke this season. Um, Not only is Tyrese Campbell coming back to full fitness, but Mario Vantrich is a very good pickup. Ben Wilmot, I think, is one of my signings of the summer because it's not only gone under the radar, but he was bought for just £1.5 million, which is an absolute bargain. And as we know with Stoke, they've got a very good squad uh, available to them and Michael O'Neill is a good coach. There's just a lot of good there at the minute, I think. Yeah, I whisper it, Justin, but I think Stoke could be a bit of a dark horse this season. You talk about... QPR and Luton being dark horses but they've been talked about as dark horses so much that they're not really dark horses anymore (laughs) Stoke haven't really been talked about too much but I think they could cause a few problems this season I had them down to finish in the playoffs you had them just a bit outside didn't you Mm -hmm. but last season they had so many high expectations that it kind of just fizzled out and that was mainly down to Tyrese Campbell being injured for the second half of the season and he should be back soon it's all very mysterious about how long he's actually going to be out for Stoke aren't giving us any idea of when he'll be back in action but when he comes back you've got yourselves one of the best attacking players in the championship haven't you he's such a good striker I fell in love with him uh, in his run of games last season and I was absolutely devastated that he got injured his, his, his movement's incredible his finishing's incredible he's so composed as well 
just 20, 21 years old. It's ridiculous, really. Um, and as you say, with the likes of Vrancic coming in, there's Nick Powell as well, who's still there. There's going to be a constant supply of chances for him. Um, it's just getting him back to full fitness and managing managing him back to full fitness. But even without Tyrese Campbell, there's still a lot to be excited about. As I've said defensively, there's likes of Danny Bat, who's been there and done it. James Chester has been there and done it. Harry Souter, who had a very good season last season. I think their goalkeeping department as well is probably one of the best in the league. The likes of Adam Davis, who you know and listeners will know, going back a long time, I adore. Joe Bursic is a, is, a, is a very good prospect. And Jack Bonham picked up from a free transfer from Johnny Gum. Again, a, a, a tidy signing. So it's a very good goalkeeping department, which we don't talk about very often, our lad. Um, it's just the the older players, the likes of Stephen Fletcher, Joe Allen, who's just been made captain. Can they do it on a consistent basis? Who knows? But they've been there and done it as well. They're experienced and they're, they're good players. Yeah, I do wonder if they're lacking a ball winner in midfield. That's one problem area for me. But apart from that, if you go through their strongest 11 player by player, it's a very strong side and they have got depth as well. Harry Souter, you're underselling him a bit, really. He was one of the best centre-backs in the championship last season and will continue to kick on, I'm sure, of that. And they've also been linked with a move for Liam Delap from Man City. And if that comes through, then Christ almighty, Christ almighty, you've got yourself one of the highest rated prospects at one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in Europe right now. And he could be just tearing apart the championship alongside Tyrese Campbell. It's frightening. It's scary, in fact. So, yeah, Stoke looking like a quite a threatening side this season, although that has been said over past seasons, hasn't it? And it's not really worked out. But I'm a bit more confident this season that Stoke can uh, trouble the playoff um, hopefuls. Justin, let's go to sixth. And we have got Cardiff sitting there at the moment. I think a lot of this is down to Mick McCarthy. Um, I've been working on my Mick McCarthy impression. Yeah. I'm not sure it's any better. Um, it <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Cardiff, they have got themselves an experienced championship manager in Mick McCarthy who will make this Cardiff side very tough to beat, won't he? Yeah, I've said on a couple of occasions, uh, I think on Twitter, that Mick McCarthy is building a side that resembles his, uh, I think it was the 08-09 Wolves team, where there's wide, good wide players and there's good strikers coming in uh, to put the chances away. There's going to be a lot of crosses into the box. And as well as that, I think the the, the addition of Ryan Giles at, at left-back or left-wing-back, depending on which formation McCarthy plays, I think is a, is a, is a good a very good addition for that for that methodology that Mick McCarthy will put in place of getting the ball into big Keith up front. It's a good sign, I think. Ryan Wintle as well from uh, from Crew free transfer from Crew will add a, a bit of composure into the middle because I don't think he's completely different to to Will Volks and Joe Rawls who are currently in there at the minute. He's a bit more of a passer, so that'll add a bit more control to to Cardiff's games, which will allow them to get on the ball a little bit more. And then defensively, we know how good they are defensively. Sean Morrison, Aidan Flint and Curtis Nelson is very tidy. Back three, you've got Perry Ing as well, at right right wing back who impressed last season. There's a lot to be happy about. It's just whether or not they've got the same squad depth as other, other, as other sides around them. I believe it's pronounced NG, not Ing. It's Perry Ing. Um, no, it's Perry NG. But the back five, as you say, of Perry NG, Sean Morrison, Aidan Flint, Curtis Nelson and Ryan Giles, 
that will be very tough for sides to break down this season. No one is scoring a set-piece against those guys this season. <laughs> and once again, there will be a danger at set-pieces going forward as well. But the big star has got to be big key foot front because the man is someone who just seems to be getting better and better. If you look at his goal tallies from the past, I know, five seasons of his career, he's moving up the leagues and seemingly scoring more and more getting goals. Better. It's frightening, yeah. And I fully expect him to do that again this season. Well, he scored 20 goals last season, so you're expecting 30 from him? 25? 25 would be very... I'd be more than <laughs> happy with that if I was Cardiff. Um, and then we saw it at the Euros, didn't we? How it was good. brilliant he was at holding up the ball, getting smashed in the face all over oh, the God. place. But he's more than capable of smashing defenders back. So the, the, the one thing I have got a concern with for Cardiff is creativity coming from midfield because they have yeah. lost Harry Wilson and also Shea Ojo. I'm looking at that midfield and I'm not sure who's going to be creating the chances, but that's where one of Ryan's players to keep an eye out for this season comes into play. Ruben Colwell, 19-year-old attacking midfielder, had a, f- a few cameo spells towards the end of last season, was called up to the Wales squad, mm. which is, I think, a big sign of how highly rated he is over in Cardiff. He's someone I expect to kick on this season and hopeful that he does kick on this season because if he does, then he could answer quite a few problems for Cardiff going forward. So he's definitely one to keep an eye out for, ladies and gentlemen. The other big negative is they drew a lot of games last season, Justin, and that was one of the main reasons why their playoff push fizzled out, wasn't it? But yeah, Cardiff, you'd thought with Mick McCarthy in charge, an experienced championship manager with this experienced group of players, quality players, should be a match made in heaven. Who have we got fifth, Justin? We've gone with QPR and I'm so excited for this QPR team this season. I'm, I'm bored. I might even get a season ticket. The commute from the Midlands is <laughs> is worth it. Honestly, they've had for me they've had the best summer in the championship. Um, they've they've plugged the right gaps. They've brought in the lone players that impressed last season: Charlie Austin, uh, Stefan Johansson, Sam Field. It's it's so I'm just so happy about them this year. I don't know it, why. I'm just really it's pleased. Easy to see why so many people are excited about QPR this season isn't it because well, it just carries on from last season last season they started terribly but then suddenly around January everything clicked in 2021 only Norwich and Watford picked up more points than them they actually got more than Brentford and that seems mm-hmm. to be carrying on into this season doesn't it the yeah. excitement that we saw yeah exactly um, and as well as that they've got a constant ammunition throughout the throughout the team you know, even left wing back with Sam McCallum on loan is such a good signing. Lyndon Dykes and Charlie Austin are going to be lapping things up, and the form that Lyndon Dykes finished the season on almost overshadowed the form Charlie Austin brought brought into the team because Lyndon Dykes finished the season so strongly, and we've not even mentioned Elias Chair, who is, I think, I think he was very good last season, but I think he'd be even better this season. And then Chris Willock, who started to step up. Towards the last sort of final in the final third of, of, of the last season, he was a, he was a good signing, and it's you know time for him to kick on. I think he will do that um, for for QPR, and he's a player that I know that you you expect to do the same. So constant ammunition in his team, good control in the middle, uh, back three: Jordi Deweyse, Johan Barbe, and Rob Dickey. Sunny Dieng, oh, 
yeah it's yeah. a good side it's a very good it's, side it's just such a wonderfully well-rounded team isn't it and it is. they've got squad depth as well there isn't too many things you can point at qpr and say you you need to improve in this area because mm-hmm. they've also brought in jimmy dunn uh, from Burnley at centre yep. half, and then Andre Dazel from Ipswich as well is a young lad who should add something else into the midfield. Moses Odebarger is coming at right back, and right back seems to be one of those positions that you could point the finger at now, but Odebarger would seemingly be the answer there. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. All the January signers have come back. Stefan Johansson, who I feel like his contribution to QPR's success last season was a bit understated because he was mm-hmm. absolutely class, and his experience of getting promotion will help QPR in their playoff push this season. It's just a great, great side. Um, The one concern that I may have is that Mark Warburton's style of play can leave them open at the back at times. And we've seen that over the past few seasons. However, that back three that you mentioned should hopefully mean that should be addressed. My other concern is... (laughs) <laughs> that expectations are so high suppose, and the fact that yeah. if they don't go into this season and hit the ground running then the atmosphere could turn very quickly yeah I'd, I'd be devastated if that's the case but just because of how good a recruitment Mark Wolberton has, uh, has done this season and because as well as that I was, I was one of those who was calling for him or saying he should have been sacked last season and I could not eat any more of my words I was so wrong about it because of how he turned the team around. Um, But you are right, there is an expectation this season, rightly so, because of how well they've recruited and the type of player that they brought in as well. Charlie Austin, Stephanie Hansen, big, big players, especially at championship level. Um, And they're not going to come cheaply either. So yeah, you're quite right, there is an expectation there. But I think they're a team who have got the um, attitude to, to cope with that expectation because there's a lot of young guys there as well. So looking forward to seeing QPR play and um, yeah, I can't wait to, actually I can't wait for them to get their season started. I really want to see how this team progresses this season. Yeah, they're going to be entertaining to watch as well. And Elias Chair, I will f- finish on QPR by saying this, I'm hoping that he can have a season similar to what we saw from Ebrechi Easy a couple of ye- a couple of seasons ago because he's capable of it. He's shown in glimpses that he's more than capable of being this real spark for QPR. Mm-hmm. And this is the season to do it when you know, QPR are going for promotion. They're going for broke. They've made all these signings this summer. This is the season for him to step up. So I've got high hopes for him as well. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll get to our top four and who we think is going up automatically this season. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So this is it, ladies and gentlemen, our top four. And if you've guessed already, then it's a similar top four to what a lot of other people have had because it seems like these sides have got much more resources and talent available to them than the rest of the sides in the Championship this season. So no surprises there. But the team that we've got fourth, Justin, is Bournemouth. And... I was looking at this squad towards the end of last season when they got knocked out of the playoffs. I thought it would get torn apart. I thought the Vultures would be swirling above, looking at their players, and it's not really happened. There's a good mm-hmm. chance Dan Juma will leave, but the rest of the team is still there, and it's still a very good team. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Without doubt, even if Dan Juma leaves, I think they've got players who can step up. And I think a key thing to that is is how Scott Parker wants them to play and who he wants to play. Essentially, they've been playing a four three three in pre season, which is a they've been playing a high press four three three with two attacking number eights. And um, Mark Andes and Billing have filled filled those gaps, and they've got a good crop of young players coming through as well. So there's a lot to not, there's a lot to not be worried about for Bournemouth fans because obviously if Dan Juma leaves, I think there's a player who will step up. If if Brooks leaves, I think there's a player that can step up. Um, they got the likes of Stanislas and Jaden Anthony, uh, the youngster Jaden Anthony. So there's players coming through, which is which is good. And obviously this attacking, two attacking number eights and a high press four three three should excite Bournemouth fans. And it's quite a difference in styles of play that we've seen from Scott Park so far. Well, Scott Parker for me is both a positive and a negative as to the way I'm looking at Bournemouth this season. Because there was an argument to be made that Bournemouth had the best squad in the Championship last season. Mm -hmm. It was just lacking a good manager to put it all together. Scott Parker is a good manager. Not someone I'm a massive fan of, but a good manager and better, much better in fact, than Jason Tindall or Jonathan Woodgate. So there is that. But I look at it and... Fulham didn't dominate games last time they were in the Championship under Scott Parker, despite the enormous talent which was available to them. And this is kind of a similar position where they've got so much talent available to them. Scott Parker needs to try and figure out how they're going to put games to bed because there's no Alexander Mitrovic here in this Bournemouth side for them to fall back on when things aren't working very well. So he's got to try and figure that out. He impressed me a lot more with Fulham last season in the Premier League, strangely yeah. enough. Um, so now he's got to try and show that he is capable of managing a side who will be dominating games as opposed to a Fulham side in the Premier League who won't be dominating games. Um, one of the key players they've lost is Asmir Begovic in goal. So that's a concern. It looks like Mark Travers is going to be his replacement. Young Mark Travers, only 22 years old. Do you fancy him to fill the gap that Begovic left? Because he was one of the best keepers in the championship, wasn't he? He was, but given how badly he lost his head in that playoff semi-final <laughs> against Brentford, I don't think it's too much of a loss. And obviously his wages were huge, but I feel like this season especially, there seems to be a bit of a drain in quality of keepers available for teams. Um, I mean, it's no disrespect to Borough and Joe, Joe Lumley, for example, but if Joe Lumley is going to be Borough's number one, that might show that there's exactly what I said. There's a there's a lack of quality keepers available, and big fees aren't going to be handed around. Um, so, giving a young player in in Mark Travers an opportunity, and he's 22, he's made appearances before for Bournemouth. He's had experience before. Why not take the risk? I, th- I think it's the right thing to do. And as I've said already, they've got a good crop of young players coming through that are highly rated. So I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as a, a sign of progressing the club because in the past they spent big. Begovic, for example, big money on Begovic, big wages. Where did he get them? Relegation and a head's gone in a playoff semi-final. So it's not always a positive. Yeah, Travers is very highly rated. So I think he will make the step up. He scored a goal for the under-23s last season, a fantastic header. Um, And he seems to be one who's good with his feet. And that's going to be key in a Bournemouth side who will be pressing high up the pitch and trying to dominate the ball as much as possible. Um, And as you say, the final 
question you've got to ask is who's going to replace Dan Juma and it does look like Jaden Anthony may very well be that man who will fill that gap and whether he can make the step up is the big question but if he doesn't then there are plenty of players who can take that role instead and they've got quality elsewhere across the pitch haven't they so yeah but Bournemouth look a very solid bet to finish in the top six this season uh, third Justin we've got Sheffield United in fact it's worth saying remarkably we had the same top three which has never happened before uh, but it's got to be said it's the same top three pretty much across the board so yeah Sheffield United finishing third for us the quality in the squad just unbelievable isn't it and I feel like I might be repeating myself with these three remaining teams but it's just true isn't it yeah I mean it does come with a caveat doesn't it because as late as last night before recording I messaged you saying oh I'm not sure about this top top three anymore um such as the quality in this in this top three as you say but the Sheffield United team is packed with talent and it's packed with championship talent very good championship talent um I think the only caveat or negative you can bring to it is is there a hangover from last season but again just to bat that away Ikanovic is a manager who comes in and takes takes over teams who are down in the doldrums essentially and you know pretty in a in a pretty bad way on the pitch and he and he changes them when he took over Watford they had uh, I think three managers in or he was the third manager in the space of uh, a couple of months he took them over and they went on this ridiculous run, completely changed the fortunes of the side, and they went up. Then at Fulham, he took over when they were threatened with relegation. I think he took over from Kit Simons, I believe. Changed the way they play, got them playing in a more positive way, and over the space of two and a half seasons, turned them into one of the best teams we've seen at Championship level. So I think he's the key He's the key factor here, is, is how you kind of it transforms this Sheffield United side. Well, two jobs in the Championship and two promotions. It speaks for there itself, doesn't it, yeah. really? And the squad, loads of depth. They've got players who have been promoted before. There's a lot to like about the Sheffield United side. And when you try to list the concerns, you're really clutching at straws, aren't you? Mm-hmm. One is that Aaron Ramsdale could still leave. He's been linked with a number of Premier League clubs, including Arsenal. Um, the other concern I've got is the strikers. Because they've got loads of strikers with brilliant records at championship level an embarrassment of Richards in terms of in terms of that but those strikers could be low on confidence I think David McGoldrick got eight last season and then Brewster McBurney Sharp and Moussa scored four between them in the Premier League so that would be a concern for me but as I say you're grabbing at straws really because if Ryan Brewster gets back to Swansea Ryan Brewster then Sheffield United fans will be laughing He's young enough to shake it off, and then with Billy Sharp, you've got a player with the experience there. Of you know, he put right, he put he'll put his arm around Ryan Brewster's shoulder and say, you know, let it go. This is a new season, new start. Be the player that you are. Um, David McGoldrick arguably had one of his best seasons last season, weirdly, um, in a in a in a very blunt Sheffield United team. As you say, mm. he was the top scorer, um, and he is a good player at Championship level, which everybody knows um, and he's a different type of striker because he will operate as a as a bit of a number 10 essentially um, but I mean that's in a different system we don't know what system uh, or style of play you kind of which is going to deploy but one thing you can say is the squad depth there is just ridiculous there's an embarrassment of Richard uh, Richards as, as, as you said and 
there's, a, there's almost too many good options for Sheffield United, which also might be a problem, trying to manage the squad. Imagine if they did have a load of players called Richard. Then it'd be an embarrassment of Richards, wouldn't it? it I mean, it would make the two gaffes we've, we've just said make sense. So. Yeah, I, I want to make that happen. Um, <laughs> well, we'll get on to our top two, Justin, and for anyone who's worked it out, it's uh, Fulham and West Brom. We've got West Brom as our champions with Fulham finishing second. I'm convinced these two are finishing top two, Justin. The only thing is, it's in what order, but I don't think anyone really cares what order because if you offered Fulham or West Brom automatic promotion now, they take it. Mm -hmm. And then if you finish as champions, then it's just nice, isn't it? We, We could sit here and go through the squads of these two teams, but I don't think there's really any point, to be honest. Because all you need to know is every single player in each position is in the top five in the league in that position. And then after that, they've got a backup player in each position who would get into the vast majority of sides in the championship. It's just an absolute embarrassment of Richards for both these sides. (laughs) And the only thing we can really talk about is just coming up with reasons why either of these sides might not get promoted. In fact, before we get onto that, it is worth saying the reason we've got these two above Sheffield United is just because I think they've got a bit more, you know, else. They've got more quality, I think, than uh, Sheffield United do in particular areas, only by a teensy-weensy bit much. They didn't have a nightmare season last season, I think is the the key thing here, because you can, get, you can get a bad hangover. And as you said, Sheffield United strikers might be low on confidence because the amount of goals that they scored between them last season. Um, and then the likes of Fulham uh, and West Brom didn't do too badly last season in the Premier League. It was a, a valiant effort, not quite enough. Um, obviously, all three have changed managers, which which makes this a little bit more difficult. Um, but the likes of Fulham, Fulham probably have the strongest squad out of the three, but I think the Ishmael factor for West Brom might just pip Fulham to the post as, 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 as top of the table. But as you said, that top two, they won't care. They, they, they finish in the top two, but the only thing I'm not sold on with Fulham, for example, is, is Marco Silva. I've made my feelings known on him. I don't rate him very highly as a manager, but it will take a complete and utter moron not to get this side in the top two. <laughs> yeah, would. I was going to ask you about Marco Silva because that does seem to be your main concern. The only other thing I can really ask is what happens if Mitrovic isn't firing? Because obviously he didn't have a great season in the Premier League last season. Um, What if he isn't the striker that we've seen in past incarnations of the Championship? Will he um, be this, you know, aggressive striker up front who gets himself sent off every... Every three game, every thirty games, or what have you, and then um, if he doesn't perform, then yeah. who's going to score the goals after him? So that's one concern I've got. And then for West Brom, they might be lacking a bit of depth at fullback. I know they've been linked with Adam Reach. Um, will they adapt to Valerian Ishmael's style of play? It's interesting to see because they played a very unique style at Barnsley didn't they but I mean I've mm-hmm. just seen how the how West Brom did against Birmingham in a friendly at the weekend and they don't seem to be reluctant to press I can tell you that so um, the other thing is obviously Matthias Pereira and Sam Johnston might be going in fact it's quite likely that they're going I've still got an inkling that they might stay and if Matthias Pereira stay, stays then 
my God, that's just title winners <laughs> written or written off straight away. They will absolutely crush this league. Yeah. And Sam Johnston, I'm thinking, might stay as well because it looks like the number of clubs who are actually interested in him is slowly shrinking. So who knows? But yeah, Fulham seconds, West Brom first. Are you happy with that? Uh, I don't know. I am, but as you say, it just depends if they get the best out of certain players. Mitrovic, as you say, can he rediscover form? But when he's got the likes of Harry Wilson, um, Ivan Cavaliero, Tom Kearney, potentially Matt Grimes, he's been rumoured to be to be joining Fulham. Josh Onima, there's a constant supply of chances there. Do they need him? <laughs> Do they need these players? They don't, and as a Derby fan with nine senior players, or 13 senior players, sorry, but nine available, can we please have one? Um, it's, it's like when Fulham signed Harry Wilson, we haven't even mentioned that. They've already got Ivan Cavalero and yeah, yeah, a host yeah. of others who I just can't remember off the top of my head. It's just Bobby Reed. Bobby Reed. Niskins Cabano. Do you need these players, lads? Come on, Harry them around. Reed. Let's not even mention fullback because yeah, they've got he's... they've got bloody Anthony Robinson and Joe Bryant. It's it's, yeah. a, it's a team packed full of quality. And then you go to West Brom, Kyle Bartley, Semi Ajayi, Matt Clark, Colin Grant, Grady Dean Garner, Mauer, Grant, Livermore, Robinson, Romain Sawyers, Dean Garner. Just... We're just literally just listing squads now. Yeah, and... and every single one of those players would walk into pretty much every other championship side. Absolutely, absolutely. Which and... is why top two seems nailed on for both these teams. I just can't <laughs> see anything else apart from maybe Sheffield United breaking in, but it's not really. Yeah, it's not really much of a shout, is it? But I think a really quick point to make on on West Brom and Ishmael is Ishmael's come in with this sort of um not attitude but a uh, um it it it, look, it feels like a, a a winning hungry mentality um yeah. because he's essentially said to Pereira not bothered what you do we're not going to use you in pre-season we're going to use the players that I know are going to be here that are committed to the cause if you find yourself a, a club fair enough if you stay here then fair enough the likes of um Ray and Tullock um Quaven Castro the highly rated youngsters they've been involved He's putting together a very good squad without bringing in too many players from outside. He's already got a good squad available to him. Um, and that's, that's um, that winning mentality, that cutthroat winning mentality that I, that I mentioned, I think is going to edge them ahead of everybody else. And it could be it could be a top three, a record top three, where we where we see all, all three get over 90 points again like we did last season. Who knows? But... It's it's going to be an entertaining season this season. There's a there's a clear top four, and you know the rest for, is up for grabs. For, the rest is up for grabs, yeah. And the rest of the championship, be aware because as I say, the, the, these sides are packed full with quality. It's going to be difficult. It, it'll be hard not to see these teams finish in top six. And if they do, then I deserve a job at one of them because I'll do a better job. <laughs> Which is Fair a big enough. claim. <laughs> Yeah, well, just finally on the Pereira situation, it seems very reminiscent to the Brendia situation from last season where it seemed like he was just destined to leave, but then no one actually comes in for him to actually take him off their their hands. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm holding out for. But even if they keep, even if they don't keep him, then it's still a very, very, very good squad. So, yeah, we sound very down at the moment just in talking about this. Why? Why? I think it's just because it's a bit boring, isn't it? The three relegated sides being predicted to go straight back up. It's just, it's not what the championship's about. It's all about unpredictability, isn't it? But nonetheless, these have been our championship predictions, ladies and gentlemen. Justin, do you want to go through um, who we had in each position? Kind of like the chart show, where I do one, you do one. 
Should we do that? I feel a bit sad now, but yeah, okay. <laughs> well, add some enthusiasm to your voice for once, and uh, we'll go through this. Hey, 24th, Derby County. 20th, uh, scrolling down, this is good podcasting. 23rd, Blackpool. 22nd, Coventry. 21st, Huddersfield Town. 20th, Hall City Tigers. <laughs> 19th, Preston North End. 18th, Blackburn Rovers. In 17th, we have Bristol City. In 16th, we've got Swansea City. In 15th, we've got Birmingham City. 14th, we've got Reading. In 13th, we've got the mighty Peterborough. Coming in hot at 12th, it's Barnsley. Coming in lukewarm at 11th is Millwall. (laughs) (laughs) Coming in 10th is Luton Town. Coming in 9th is Neil Warnock's Borough. Top 8, we've got Nottingham Forest. In 7th, we've got Stoke City. Sixth, we've got Cardiff City. In fifth, we've got my second favourite team this season, QPR. In fourth, we've got AFC Bournemouth. We're entering into that sad category now. Uh, In third, (laughs) we've got Sheffield United. (laughs) Second, we've got Fulham. Uh, And first, we've got West Brom. Yeah, top of the pile, sit WBA. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. This has been our league table predictions and what a ride it's been. Let me tell you, it has been great. If you want to give us any feedback on our league tables, we'll happily listen to them if you're friendly. Um, <laughs> and apart from that, a new championship season is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot wait. Quick plug for the betting show, the Second Tier Betting, which is our new podcast. If you search in any podcast platform that you use, then it should come up. Um, it's me, Jimmy the Punt, from a, who you may have seen on Twitter. We go through who's going to get promoted, our bets for relegation, our bets for top goal scorer, and our bets for the opening day of the season as well. So head on over there, and if you're a keen gambler then you may be quite interested to see what we've got over there but anyway we'll be back on sunday ladies and gentlemen for the first weekend of the championship let's get pumped ladies and gentlemen (laughs) this has been the second tier podcast i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach thank you for listening (laughs)